Good evening, everyone. Parshas Mishpatim. Mishpatim defined as the rational mitzvahs, the mitzvahs we can understand. With that in mind, I would title our share with the question, are we to make sense out of Torah or for that matter of life itself? Let's, defi- let's define the mishpatim and develop the meaning of mishpatim and thereby arrive at a solution to this question. The term mishpatim, literally, milash and shofet, judges, means judgments, mishpatim, judgments. And therefore, one might be inclined to literally translate Mishpatim as judicial law. And many of the mitzvahs of Mishpatim deal with courtroom halachos. And you see from Rashi in the beginning of our parasha that on one level Chazal themselves interpret Mishpatim this way. However, that literal definition of Mishpatim is not encompassing enough to deal with the parasha. Because in the parasha's list of Ve'elah HaMishpatim, there are many mitzvahs which are not judicial law. For example, the laws of Trefa, Lakel of Tashlichonoso, a Jew may not eat the meat from a terminally ill animal, but rather must throw it to the dog. Or the law in our parasha, not to defy Hashem's malach, Hashem's angelic agent. These have nothing to do with the courtroom. Clearly, Mishpatim has a much broader definition, and I would posit that this is one of the bases for Chazal's more expansive definition that Mishpatim means the quote-unquote mitzvah sechlias, the rational mitzvahs. Now, why are rational mitzvahs called Mishpatim judgments? I believe buried in this term is actually a very provocative Suggestion, assertion. Rational mitzvahs are judgments because they are mitzvahs about which man gives his human judgment. As the Gemara says when it explains mishpatim to mean rational mitzvahs. Dvarim she'omoi lo michtavu, matters that if they weren't written in the Torah, din hu she'yichtavu. Din would say that it should be written. The term din means courtroom type of judgment, dinim. Mishpatim are mitzvahs that man assesses with the critical mind of a judge in a courtroom. Now that's an amazing thing, that Hashem's mitzvahs should be subject to human scrutiny the way a judge assesses a case in a courtroom. Right, realize that in this title, Mishpatim, the Torah is saying a lot more than these mitzvahs make sense to us. It's saying that the Torah here is embracing our critical judgment and saying it is our assessment of the mitzvah which has bearings. That while certainly the authority of the mitzvah is independent and non-dependent on human approval, it comes from Hashem, and just as we'd embrace a, we embrace a chok, we'd embrace a mishpat, even were it not for the fact that it makes sense to us. But nonetheless, the Torah is stressing 
Mishpatim, Hashem wants our human assessment, our critical human assessment to the mitzvah. Because it is our understanding of the mitzvah which plays a role in how we fulfill this mitzvah. This idea can be traced back to a statement of the Rambam. The Rambam raises a fundamental question in his Shemona Prakim, and that is, are we supposed to do mitzvahs simply because Hashem said so? Or are we supposed to do mitzvahs from a sense of personal appreciation of the mitzvah. What's a higher madrega, as the Rambam? Is it a higher madrega to give tzedakah because I love the poor and I want to give tzedakah? Or is it a higher madrega to say, I might crack, so it might pain me to give this tzedakah, but I'm doing it because Hashem said so. And the same thing can be said about kashras or any other mitzvah. What's the higher madrega? What do we aspire to, to simply do the act? Where do we aspire to do? to do it from a place of appreciation of the act. Says the Rambam, it depends if it's a chok or a meshbat. A chok, the very fact that Hashem made its meaning elusive from us, left its meaning elusive from us, is because the chok he wants us to fulfill with that sense of faith, of subordination to the divine, though the mitzvah has little resonance to us. It is an opportunity to show the submission to the divine. Mishpatim, on the other hand, the very fact that he, Hashem gave us the tools and the ability to connect the mitzvah is because this is a mitzvah Hashem wants us to fulfill from a sense of emotional connection, intellectual connection to the mitzvah. The Rambam's explanation is very helpful why, really to explain why the Torah categorizes Chukna and Mishpatim separately at all, because you could argue it should be totally inconsequential if the mitzvah is a chok or a mishpat. In terms of the authority of the mitzvah, Hashem said so, that's it. So why classify chok versus mishpat? Well, now we understand. Our attitude and how we approach a chok and a mishpat is very differently, different in terms of are we seeking for that sort of personal resonance with the mitzvah and to observe it out of that sense. And hence I argue the power of the provocative term of the Torah, calling these sort of mitzvahs, mishpatim, judgments, our human judgment here matters. It is how I understand the mitzvah that will, that contours and shapes my avoda, my observance of this mitzvah. Parenthetically, I will note a humorous story, which is said about a chasidish Rebbe and a brisker tamad the Rebbe was sick in the hospital, and the brisker Talmud Chacham went to visit him. The Rebbe saw the brisker Talmud Chacham coming in, the halachasist, and the Rebbe said, I don't want you to visit me. You're visiting me not because you care about me. You're visiting me, and mitzvah speaker I don't want to be your chaftzishel mitzvah. I want people to visit me because they care about me. Which is a stinging critique of a cold clinical halachasist. But I would posit that no serious Ovid Hashem would do Biker Cholem that way. It's a joke, it's a almost proverbial story, but Biker Cholem, which is a mishpat, the madrega we aspire to is to observe the mitzvah not simply in embracing a divine commandment, but embracing a divine ethic. 
Hashem wants us to visit the sick, not simply because he said so. He wants us to embrace the divine ethic that I care about people. I care about Jews. So how can I not visit them? Shotness, which is a chok on the other hand. The aspiration is not necessarily to connect to the under, underlying ethics and morales in the mitzvah, though we do have Kabbalistic notions and the like that give it some sort of framework. The mitzvah ultimately remains elusive because the avod of the mitzvah of shotness is I have the opportunity to affirm the limitation of human judgment and how we are pursuing something much larger than what the human being can wrap himself around, his head around, i.e. connection to Hashem and the divine system. So now put this way, appreciating the role of both mishpatim and chukim within the larger system and vision of Yadras of Judaism, with a balance of these two values, the chok with its subordination to the divine on one hand and the mishpat with its welcoming of human feeling and human appreciation on the other, we can now dig deeper and further assess the relationship between each one, or more to the purpose, to the focus of this week's parsha, the foundational nature of mishpatim within the larger system. It is not mishpatim are not simply one of these two co-aspects of yahatos, but I would suggest the very framework and placement of our parsha gives a primacy to mishpatim gives a primacy to the role of welcoming human intellect, emotion, feeling within Torah. Because Mishpatim, Parshas Mishpatim is not just any parsha. Parshas Mishpatim occupies coveted real estate in the Chumash. It is immediately following Parshas Yisro Matan Torah. It's immediately following the very formation, the formative event of Torah itself. And here we have Parshas Mishpatim, as though from the very foundation, asserting the human element matters. In fact, not only is Parshas Mishpatim directly following Parshas Yisra and Matan Torah, the Torah makes it very clear in our Parsh that the Mishpatim are really part and parcel of the revelation of Sina. Parshas Mishpatim does not begin as a new prophecy with a statement by Yedabar Hashem al-Mosheleim, or Hashem spoke to Moshe, i.e. the pulling of the curtain, the opening of the curtain with a new prophetic scene. No. Parsim Mishpatim begins ve'elaha Mishpatim, these are the Mishpatim, in continuation and direct follow-up to the prophecy of Parshas Yisro of Matan Torah that has been ongoing. Mishpatim, ve'elaha Mishpatim, were presented as part of the revelation of Sinai. As Rashi picks up on the very word, ve'ela, opening our parasha, ve'ela, and these are, mosef al harishonos, ma harishonos misinai af elu misinai. Says Rashi, the opening vav, which means and, which means a, a linkage, tells us that just like Parshas Yisro was the revelation of Sinai, so to the ela hamishpatim, these are mitzvahs given at Sinai. Mishpatim are so fundamental, they are part and parcel of the revelation of Sinai itself as borne out by yet a further final clue, and that is the end of our Parsha. Our Parsha concludes with the bris, with the geiris process, making the Jewish people converts, 
which took place at Har Sinai. Meaning, aside from the Ten Commandments, the revelation of the Aseris Hadebis of Parshas Yisrael, the end of Parshas Mishpatim actually contains the bris, the covenant that halachically made us Jewish. As the Chomashir says, Hashem instructs Moshe to lead the Jewish people into a bris over here. Vayikach for habris, Moshe took a scroll of covenant and sprinkled blood on them and said, he dam habris, this is the blood of the covenant. And the Gemara interprets this bris to mean the gayrus process of the Jewish people itself. It is here at the end of Parshas Mishpatim, following the presentation of the mitzvahs of Mishpatim, because the mitzvahs of Mishpatim, we are seeing from so many angles, are part and parcel of Matan Torah itself, of the becoming Jewish, of the formation of Yiddishkeit itself. And that is because the welcoming of the human component in Torah, the embracing of the human component in Torah, is fundamental to what Torah is, defining to what Torah is, is contouring and shaping what Matan Torah is all about. Because what is Hashem doing when he gives us mitzvahs? As much as he's Hashem on high, above us, Hashem's thoughts are way above us. So one might view Hashem Khalila as a dictator from on high, legislating by fiat. Little human, do this, do that. Well, not at all. That is the antithesis of Torah. Hashem is not t- telling us do's and don'ts by fiat. Hashem is elevating us trying to teach us not only do's and don'ts, but values, but appreciations. He's trying to educate us via these mitzvahs. He wants us to understand. He wants us to internalize. To use an analogy in the human experience. Let's talk about parents. After all, we call Hashem our father of you. A parent is an authority figure who we would want to presume understands things which the young child does not. That is still an operative assumption despite the irreverent world we live in. Now, much as the parent is an authority figure, does the parent see it as their role simply to tell the child, do X, don't do Y? Don't run across the street, brush your teeth at night. If a parent would simply get across that rule. Have they done their job as a parent? Well, if they've never given the child an appreciation of why they need to brush their teeth, has the child learned anything about hygiene and personal responsibility? If they just told their child, don't run into traffic, and they never had the child understand that there's a psychotic here, there's a danger here, have they taught their child safety? Have they given their child a value? Have they developed the mind, the heart, or have they simply simply given a, a rigid rule, don't run across the street? I would argue a parent is a failure if they are simply giving rules and not imbuing understanding, not educating the child in the process. That yes, ultimately the child can only understand so much. 
So at the end of the day, you need chukim and parenting too. You understand? You don't understand? I'm the parent. You'll kick, you'll scream. Sorry, I am not abdicating my role as parent here. And I'm, I'm not giving over the keys, to the, the keys to running the home to the child. No. That, that's necessary for the system of parent-child relationship. But in terms of the purpose and the goal and the function, parenting is much more mishpat-oriented than hok-oriented. The parent tells the child what to do, not simply as an act, but to thereby bring the child into the, into the rule. I want you to understand the idea. I want it to become part of you. I want to develop a foster, a consciousness, a mind, a heart. That is kiviyachu what Hashem is coming to do with mitzvahs also. Definitional to mitzvahs is the educational component, that he wants us to bring us into it. He wants to develop us, develop us as people. Torah is not a cold clinical formula of Duzentos. That's not fundamentally what Torah is. Yes, Torah has, contains that element of the chukit, of absolutes and subordination, because it has to be that way when man is approaching the divine. But I believe by making the mishpatim part and parcel of the Matan Torah more so than the Chukim, the Torah is defining the essence of what Yiddishkeit is about. Yiddishkeit is all about developing the human component, bringing us into the picture. And Hashem values our understandings, our sentiments, our musings, and by extension our individuality. The way I internalize the Mishpat, the way you internalize the Mishpat, and this is not simply an additive, a cherry on the top. This is the essence of Torah, and therefore Mishpatim are part of parcel of the Torah experience itself. This understanding of the primacy of Mishpatim and this definition of Torah as the parent-child relationship between Hashem and the Jewish people, rather than the tyrant-subject, relationship, or rather than the government bureaucrat, do and don't. And if you ask the government bureaucrat why, ma'am, it doesn't really matter. Torah is not the cold clinical tyrant or cold clinical government bureaucrat. Torah is kibiyachal Hashem Azavinu. And the Malkainu is necessary as well, considering that he's Hashem and we're man. But that's on the systemic level of ensuring it's man approaching God and man understanding he's approaching God, as evident by the Chukim. But in terms of substantively what it is, I believe the primacy of the Mishpatim are highlighting what Yadis is all about, what this Matan Torah is all about. There is an even more explicit Pasuk in our parsha which lays bare at the thesis of Arashir tonight, that the mishpatim and what they represent as the human component in Yadus are not simply a dimension in Torah, but are the essence of Torah, is the essence of Yadus. And that is, when we study the Geiris at the end of our parasha, the Jewish people becoming converts, becoming B'nai Bris, entering the Bris with their Abba and you study its context, Look what it says. Vayavo Moshe. Moshe comes to the Jewish people to kind of make an overture. Do you want to become converts? Do you want, do you want this Torah? So what does he tell them in this context? As Kol Hashem, generally speaking the words of Hashem, 
and all of the mishpatim. And it is upon hearing these mishpatim that the Jewish people say, yes, I do. We agree. And then the bris, the geiras, with all of its karbanas and rituals unfold, the Jewish people are entering the covenant upon hearing what mitzvahs, particularly the mishpatim. Well, commentaries struggle to explain what are these mishpatim which Moshe is teaching the Jewish people at the end of our parasha as the overture to bring them into the covenant, to bring them into the breast, to make them gay. Rashi gives his explanation, other Mepharshim give his explanation. But if I may be so bold, I would argue the Peshutosh Mikra, the simplest read, would be that of the Ramban. The Ramban says, hold on. Following the entirety of our parsha of Mishpatim, all the specific Mishpatim of our parsha, when the end of our parsha said he made them converts, by teaching them Mishpatim, what Mishpatim doesn't mean, it means the entirety of parsha Mishpatim which precedes this stage. Right? Ramban, as is his path, as is his darach, reads the parsha in chronological order. That's generally the approach of Ramban in contrast to Rashi. So he argues, after all of the parsha's Mishpatim, when, then when Moshe tells them Mishpatim as the overture to become Geirim, it means we are becoming Geirim by accepting the Mishpatim of our parsha. So here we have the Mishpatim of our parsha literally serving as the substance about which the Jewish people sealed the covenant with Hashem to become Jews. The Mishpatim are the, you might say, the, metaphorically, it's the covenantal fair upon which Hashem and the Jewish people broke bread to become a pair, to become a unit. We become Geir over Mishpatim. If you ask a Geir, why did you become Jewish? And every Geir will give their story. Well, the Jewish people as Geirim, according to this perspective, we became Geirim because the are Mishpatim. This is the essence of Torah, the human component, the educational component, bringing us on board, our feelings, our musings, our sentiments, how we can embrace Torah in our own terms, along with the ultimate subordination and the understanding as represented by the Chukim, that it's beyond us. Its meaning transcends human comprehension, which is ultimately true about Mishpatim as much as Chukim the rational dimension of the Mishpah notwithstanding. And I think we can now explain a bit deeper the primacy of the Mishpatim. Why is it these mitzvahs, the Mishpatim, which are serving as the hook, the lords, the Jewish people, to become gayer? We become Jews when we hear the Mishpatim. Why? Why is the sales pitch of Judaism the Mishpatim? This is because, by definition, when the Ger, in this case the Jewish people as Gerim, are coming on board, they weren't born into the system, they are choosing the system. One can only choose Yiddishkeit from the position of self, seeing oneself in the decision they're making. I can only embrace something because I find it appealing. The Mishpatim, which represent the potential for, to find personal resonance and fulfillment in the mitzvah. That is the hook to assume mitzvahs. That while once the system is operating 
And we are not so much functioning from a place of signing on, but simply doing, then the chukim modality might be primary. Now the Torah is operational in my life. I've made the decision already, and now it's kind of chukim mode. But I would argue when you're making personal choices and you're stepping on board, certainly what the ger is doing, the mishpat, is the modality. The Jewish people at Mount Torah, by definition, must be in the mishpat modality. They're making the choice here, so they need to find themselves in the system. And I would suggest... that while most of us are not Geirin, and we're certainly not the first generation of Kali Yisrael in the desert, certainly I was born into it, and most of us were born into it. Parshas Mishpatim, as a Parshan Torah, as a Torah Chayim, a relevant Torah, means that we all have some of this. That aside from the Chok modality, that I was born into it, I'm doing it simply on the basis of Hashem's authority, to be a complete Jew, there needs to be that personal embracing of it. We all have a bechina of becoming a ger, finding myself in it. As the famous expression goes, the German expression, which loses something in the English, but it says, your tradition from your fathers, earn it for yourself. Embrace the tradition for yourself. Find yourself in it. We all were taught Torah and mitzvahs by our parents, and our parents transmitted Torah and mitzvahs as they appreciated it. But when I observe that same Torah and mitzvahs from my parents, but my way, I own it, I possess it, I take it for myself. That is my bechina, that's my element of geirus. It's the same Torah and mitzvahs, but it's becoming, in a sense, something new. So in that sense, I'm becoming a ger. And that's where mishpatim, or the calling card, or the overture, or the hook for my geiris. For my personal relationship to Hashem. And therefore, mishpatim as the hook to geiris, the human dimension to Torah as the basis for a person to embrace it for themselves, is ultimately true of all of us. Jewish from birth or geirah-like. We've been discussing fundamental issues tonight, fundamental definitions of Torah. And what the system is all about, the place of human mind, human understanding, within a system which is ultimately based on divine authority, which transcends man, everything which the Chukim are about. And much of what we've been developing tonight has been not simply based on what the Torah says, but how the Torah says it. The format, the sequence, the interface of passages of Parshias, the placement of Parshas Mishpatim within the Sinai experience. So to further solidify and buttress this development of the Parsha, I would like to now turn to the Haftorah. As you well know by now, frequent Shira attendees could attest that when we develop a parish on a meta level, on a panoramic view level, we oftentimes will then turn to the Haftorah and say the Haftorah, 
a sister passage from the Navi, which is intended not simply to parallel a part of the parsha, but to be a summation of the parsha in its totality, of its theme as a whole. Right? It's in the Haftorah which we'll find this captured. So what I would like to trace now is the magnificent order, almost the choreography of how the Haftorah this week is arranged. And you'll see very clearly that Chazal, in selecting the Haftorah, wanted to capture this idea that the Mishpatim in our parsha are really the essence of the bris, the essence of the geiris of the conversion of Matan Torah, as said at the end of our parsha. Let's have a look. Our Haftorah is a segment from Sefer Yirmiyahu. And it begins by insisting that the Jewish people free their slaves, their evidavries, the, the Hebrew slaves, which is, of course, the first mitzvah of the first mishpat in our parsha. And this narrative in Yirmiyahu is Parak Lamadalad about the evidavri is not the totality of the Haftorah. The Haftorah then does something interesting. Following Parak Lamadalad, the evidavri narrative, the Haftorah then turns back a chapter to Parak Lamad Gimel and speaks not of, which speaks not of the evidavri, but speaks about Torah in general. So says Hashem, if not for my covenant of day and night, which Chazal say in the covenant of Torah, which is studied day and night, now what is this covenant of Torah? Well, it is so clear that this is an echo of the end of our parsha. Our parsha ends with the bris, the term is the bris in our parsha, the, the covenant through which the Jewish people accepted the Torah at Sinai. So here we have Chazal and the Haftorah, including side by side the two aspects of our parsha: the Mishpatim, as represented by the first Mishpat, the Eved Ivri, followed immediately thereafter by the Bris HaTorah, what's called Brisi Yom here by Yirmiyahu, the covenant, the Geras, what bring, what, that which brings the Jewish people into Torah, that while the, while the Haftorah, you might say, plays a little bit with Sefer Yirmiyahu, it works back in retroactive order. After Parak Lamad Dalad, the laws of Eved Ivri, it then goes back to Parak Lamad Gimel, the bris of Torah. And it seems strange that the Haftorah is going in inverse order. Simply it ends on a positive note, you might say with the bris of Torah. No, there's much more going on than that. Now we understand the, the art form of the Haftorah. The Haftorah is coming to pick up on the dual of our parsha, Mishpatim followed by the Geras, followed by the bris Torah. So in direct parallel, it puts these two passages side by side, though they are not sequential in Yirmiyahu, but in, in inverse sequence. And not only is the Haftorah capturing both aspects of the Parsha, but I think it's coming to pick up on the fusion. 
the duo of our parsha, that our parsha is by design a parsha of mishpatim, such as Evid Ivri on one hand, and a parsha of Geiris of Brisat because the conversion process consists of the mishpatim. It is the notion of personal resonance and mitzvahs, which is the hook, which brings us on board to bris HaTorah to make the commitment. And this is brought out further by another anomaly in the Haftorah, really in the narrative of Yirmiyahu when we turn back to the beginning of the Haftorah, Paraglamadalad in Yirmiyahu. There are some seemingly very strange psukim here. It says that Sikiyo HaMelech, the king, insisted that the Jewish people observe the laws of Eved Evri, that first and model mishpat of our parasha. But he didn't just insist that they observe it. He actually had the Jewish people strike a covenant, strike a bris, that they're going to keep this mitzvah. He had them seal a covenant to agree to send away the Eved Evri. Now that's strange. Covenants are fundamental. Covenants are the sealing of pacts between the formations of relationships. Here we have a pact formed over a particular mitzvah, fring and evidently. And what's even stranger is, he then goes on to say, this is not the inception of the pact. There was a pact to free the evidently, which already happened at Sinai. As he says here, Asher Bo, Asher Bo Vivris, back in Chorev, back at Harsina, he says, we already entered such a pact. Biyom Hautzio Samayaritz Mitzrayim, mi beis avadam leymar. There was such a pact already formed at Sinai. Where do we have a pact formed at Har Sinai to send away an Evid Evri? I never studied of such a pact. What do you think Yermio is referring to? He's fusing bris and Evid Evri. Covenant and freeing the Hebrew slave. He is not simply referencing evidently the Hebrew slave, but he is talking about the Mishpatim in general. All of the Mishpatim in our parasha, represented by the first one, the evidently, are the subject of a bris, are the subject of a pact. He's referring to the end of the parasha, the bris of the Geras of Harsinai, when Moshe lured them into the covenant based on the Mishpatim. Indeed, there was a bris over Eved Evri, and for that matter, all the other mishpatim which follow Eved Evri. That, that is the bris at the end of the parsha. The geiris itself at Har Sinai is a mishpat such as Eved Evri formed bris. So clear now what the bris Yirmiyahu is talking about is. He's talking about the covenant of becoming Jewish, which was formed over things like Eved Evri, over mishpatim like this. It is the mishpatim which made us Jewish in the parsha. As we said, that is the hook. That is how we come on board to mitzvah observance. We enter a bris. When I find myself and my emotional and intellectual touch points in Torah and mitzvahs, that's what 
brings a person on board to commit, whether to become a ger, as we're saying, or whether all of us, when we take Torah for ourselves, when we take ownership for ourselves. So with this, our basic thesis comes together. The parasha's raising of the pedestal of mishpatim, the parasha making the mishpatim and the whole notion of the human component, the essence of the bris, the essence of the gerus, the essence of what it means to become a Jew. But to conclude our shir tonight, something would be hobbled and balanced, and imbalanced. If we simply focused on the mishpatim, if we had an exclusive raising of the pedestal of the mishpatim, the notion of human understanding and human resonance, and we did not have an underscoring of chukim as well. I would argue that appreciating that mishpatim is at the, parshas mishpatim is at the formative stage of Torah, matan Torah, tzina. It must be the chukim which are the co-component. The balance of chukim with mishpatim. The notion that this is not do-it-yourself Judaism. The mishpatim are simply are finding oneself, but finding oneself in a divine system which we ultimately subordinate ourselves to as the chukim represent. That also must be front and center at this very stage, the formation of Torah. And perhaps, perhaps this is symbolized by the way the bris of Torah happens at the end of our parsha. There's a very interesting pasuk in the final narrative of our parish, the narrative of the bris, where it talks about the, the scene, the spectacle in which the Jewish people entered the covenant. It says, The leadership was called upon the mountain. But bow from afar. Don't get too close yet. The only one to step up close. Only Moshe steps up close al Hashem. It is only Moshe who, as though, walks straight up and approaches the divine. Everyone else stays far away. No one else draws close, even the other leadership, definitely the rank and file. That we have a scene here highlighting how the people at large, including the leadership, everyone with the exception of Moshe, is to remain standing back. Beyond simply a geographical scene, I would argue the, the standing back represents the humility, the subordination, the understanding what is happening here, the revelation of the divine itself, it is beyond me. It's something I see from a distance. It's something which I embrace the magic of the system in its elusiveness, in its distance, because that's what it is. It's from Hashem. And this read, this symbolism, I would suggest, lies not only in this Pasuk, but in the echo and reverberation 
of this Pasuk. This Pasuk is not an isolated Pasuk with the usage of these terms. The Jewish people are supposed to stand me'rachok and not to be gashu, not to draw too close. Because we have similar terminology in last week's parsha, in the Aseris HaDibra scene, when it says, Yisro Parachaf, Vayam Duhaam Me'rachok, it uses that same term, the people stood afar, and then Umoshe Migash, only Moshe drew close. The same term, standing back, only Moshe drawing close, appears both in Parashas Yisro and the Aseris HaDibros, and here once again in Mishpatim in the actual bris. Standing back, not drawing close, this is, the, that, this is that amuna, this is that faith, this is that humility. I would argue the chok modality. It's a humi- humility towards Hashem. And it's also a humility towards rabbinic leadership. Moshe is, of course, the model of rabbinic leadership. As the Zohar says, the spastusa de Moshe behold darvadar, the Talmud Chacham in the generation, the Talmud Chacham in the generation, embody the Moshe Rabbeinu in the generation, and they have all the responsibilities of acting like a Moshe. So the notion that we are standing back at Matan Torah at a distance from Hashem, and it is only Moshe drawing close, also points to the humility we have vis-a-vis Moshe, the humility we have vis-a-vis rabbinic authority. Well, this too, the humility not only towards Hashem, but towards rabbinic authority as well, I believe, is can echoed in our parasha when we listen with a sensitive ear that the term yigashu drawing close only Moshe draws close to Hashem. Well, that term which we trace both in Yisro and Mishpatim appears in a different context here at the end of our parasha when it says. Moshe says when he ascends on high, I'm leaving you Jewish people in good hands. Aaron and Chor are here to leave you. If you have an issue, yigash alehem, draw close to them. Now this phrase, draw close to Aaron and Chor for direction. I would posit as more than a freestanding Pasuk. The term drawing close, which is an interesting term to describe the experience of asking a Shiloh. Draw close to the Rav. Don't simply ask him a question, but draw close to him. Well, this interesting term is an echo of what it said, that you, it is, only, it is Moshe himself who was Nigash al-Hashem. The Nigash Moshe Levato. It's Moshe who drew close to Hashem in a way, in a way which we could not. So in turn, we draw close to the Moshe, as the same term is used here. The Moshe and the other leaders. That is, I suggest, the sensitive echo and the reverberation. It is because the Moshe and the other, and those who replaced Moshe, whether Aaron and Hor here who replaced Moshe when he went on high, or the Talmud HaChavim in our own generation, it is because they are able to draw close to Hashem in the way we cannot. They have a deeper perception of Torah, not only in its halachas, but in its vision and its overall picture. It's because they are able to draw close to what is beyond us, that we in turn draw close to them and recognize them as 
the indispensable access route to Dvar Hashem, to finding purpose and direction in life. So this final textual pattern we traced in the terms Rachok, we stand far back, and Yigashu, who is drawing close, Moshe, the Tamar Chacham, draws close to Hashem, and we in turn draw close to him. This pattern, which I would argue is, so to speak, the Chok model, it's the humility model of the understanding there's more going on here in Torah than what I could discern. It's a divine system, and it's a system which I need those who are my superiors to be able to access. That is the complementary second dimension, the dimension of chok, the dimension of the humility. It's not do-it-yourself Judaism. But that is not to distort Torah Khalil, as some religious faiths did when they claimed we want to keep the laity unintelligent, right? We want to keep them illiterate. Yahadus is the antithesis of that. Yahadus is encouraging not only scholarship, but is welcoming the individual's sentiments, feelings, finding of self in Torah. That is why as we study throughout the bulk of our presentation of Mishpatim tonight, the essence of Torah, is actually the Mishpatim. The primacy of the Mishpatim is because it's really a system all about the individual, all about the person. The Chukim are a necessary balancing dimension of humility for a person to appreciate that they are dealing with a system which is beyond them. A divine system, and even on a human plane, one which requires the input of those who are beyond themselves. So putting it all together, to return to our original question, are we to make sense of Torah, for that matter, life itself? Torah, and I would argue by extension, the life that Torah is here to guide, is really beyond us. It's a system which is beyond us. It's a divine system. But we are not there for to throw in the towel and say, I don't get it, I'm just going to be a blind sheep. Hashem is not teaching by fiat, legislating by fiat. Hashem is an educator more than a rule giver. As we began, the parent educating the child who's seeking to teach a value and not simply a rule. That to the extent we can find meaning in Torah, we can be educated over values and morals. That is really what Hashem is coming to do through this Torah, to enlighten us, however much we can be enlightened, within a system whose meaning is ultimately beyond us. This is, I think, really a beautiful thematic treatment, not only of Parshish Mishpatim, but really a window into the greater vision in Torah. A beautiful, balanced system. Thank you all very much.